Well, good evening, family. Joy-filled place tonight, worshiping our beautiful King. Isn't he wonderful? The one that's worthy of all of our praise. Thankful to be able to praise him with you. Uh, tonight we're in 1 Kings chapter 9, and we're going to be studying verses uh, 23 through chapter 10, verse 13. And tonight the title of the message is The Greatness of Solomon's Riches. And as we consider all that Solomon had, we recognize it was all, all a gift from God. And his wealth continues to accumulate, as we're going to find out. But, you know, we're going to also see a, a character introduced uh, called the Queen of Sheba. And Sheba is considered to be modern-day Yemen in that area. And we're going to also talk about one that's greater than Solomon. When we talk about riches, our riches are really found in Jesus Christ. But let's pick up in verse, actually verse 22, and we'll read through verse 25 of First uh, Kings chapter 9. And it says, But of the children of Israel did Solomon make no bondmen, in other words, he did not force them into labor, but they were men of war, and his servants, and his princes, and his captains, and rulers of his chariots, and his horsemen. These were the chief of the officers that were over Solomon's work, 550, which bear rule over the people that wrought in the work. But Pharaoh's daughter came up out of the city of David unto her house, which Solomon had built for her. Then did he build Milo. And three times a year did Solomon offer burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar which he built unto the Lord, and he built incense upon the altar that was before the Lord. So he finished the house. At this point in Solomon's reign, as we can see here, he's still very serious about keeping the Lord the center of Israel's worship. He kept the three major feasts on the Jewish calendar, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles, and he established it as part of the national life of Israel. And all this was good. Verse 26 and, and says, And King Solomon made navy of ships in Ezion Geber, which is beside Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. We don't often think of Israel's navy, but they do have one, and they clearly had one back then. But Solomon had the wealth and also, remember, a partnership with King Hiram who floated the timbers of fir and cedar by ship. When Solomon needed help with not only labor but with the materials, he contacted King Hiram, if you remember, and of course they sailed these timbers, which couldn't really be taken by land so easily. They sailed them by ship in the sea. And Hiram, verse 27, sent in the navy his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea, and the servants of Solomon. So apparently, remember last time we talked about this conflict that Solomon and Hiram had? Uh, Solomon had given Hiram 20 cities, and they went and inspected the cities, and Hiram said, no way, no way. He was very displeased, didn't like the cities, wasn't satisfied, but now it seems their conflict has been healed. And they came to Ophir, verse 28, and fetched from there gold, 420 talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. And of course, this also came by sea, this navy fleet. 
seems to have been a good, very good move on Solomon's part because this 420 talents of gold, that's a lot of gold in the tons. It's worth about $850 million today. So the riches, they just keep on pouring in. And this is where we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 10. It says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Well, by now, clearly word has gotten out on Solomon's not only his wealth but his wisdom. Word got to the queen of Sheba, Solomon's fame. And again, she's from modern-day Yemen. So she comes to Israel hearing of Solomon's wisdom, and she comes with, with her goal to prove or test Solomon with hard questions. She wants to understand firsthand whether Solomon is, a, is as smart as everyone has reported him to be. And in that day, it was very, very common to test the capacity for wisdom and intelligence of the king by posing mysteries and riddles to them. So this queen of Sheba, she's smart. She went to Solomon, and she wants to verify all the hype that's surrounding him and his fame. So she, she came to Jerusalem, it says in verse 2, with a very great train, an entourage, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. Now, keep in mind that Israel was not right around the corner from where she was. It's about 2,000 miles. And the travel, well, not the easiest travel in the world because they traveled through very arid, arid and desert regions. And usually for a queen, people would come to her, right? That's the way royalty worked. But here, she goes to Solomon. She's so impressed by what she hears of Solomon, she's willing to get an entourage together, camels, animals and servants and travel over 2,000 miles in desert to do what? To talk to Solomon, to quiz him, to prove him. So she brought these gifts. She begins to question him on the, the mysteries with mysteries and riddles. And all that was on her heart, she shared. And verse 3 says, And Solomon told her all the questions or answered all the questions, and there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. Now, this is very easy for Solomon. He, it seems though he didn't even break a sweat over this. There was nothing that he couldn't answer or explain. So he passed, passed her test with flying colors. And verse 4, and when she had seen all Solomon's wisdom, in other words, she, she realized how this nation operated under Solomon, and the house or palace that he built in verse 5 says, The meat of his table and the seating of his servants and the attendance of his ministers, who are his officials, and his cup bearers and his ascent, that's the entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, which was the temple, there was no more spirit in her. In other words, she was, she was at a loss for words. All that Solomon shared with her, she was a bit overwhelmed by it, by it all. And she said to the king, verse 6, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. 
Well, when she got there and all the questions were answered, she realized there's, this can't be just of one man. There has to be something supernatural here. There must have been something much, much greater, and there was, because God had promised Solomon and he delivered to Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 7 through 12 tells us this. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither hast thou asked long life, but hast asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have, had, have ever had before thee, neither shall there be any after thee have the like." And that's exactly what the queen of Sheba witnessed and she heard. All this wealth that, that God had promised him on top of the things that Solomon asked for. And God said, well, you didn't, you didn't ask for these things, but I'm going to give them to you anyways. And she continued in verse 8. She said, happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. So it seems like she's envious of her servants that get to stand there continually and hear of Solomon's wisdom. All these men that you're surrounded with, all these servants, they get to experience the presence of Solomon, the wisdom that he has. And she says, you're, she's thinking, you're a blessed man. And she continues in verse 9. She said, blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighted in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. She's saying, I recognize what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing this as divine. I'm seeing this as God's hand. I'm seeing it as supernatural. But keep in the back of your minds the warnings that God gave to Solomon in the last chapter. And read those in 1 Kings 9. Verses 6 and 7. And God always gives a warning, as we talked about a few weeks ago. He said, But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed for my name will I cast out of my sight, and Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all people. Well, I believe that all this praise that, that Solomon is receiving the, the, from the queen of Sheba, all the questions, all the answers, all the wealth, all the riches, and the love for them is beginning to make its way into Solomon's heart. And we're going to find out, not so much tonight, but in future, future weeks, should the Lord tarry, we're going to see that you know, the, Solomon did not heed these warnings. And the God of Israel was replaced by the God of riches. Well, he's accumulating wealth. And I, I guess riches beget riches. 
So let's look at verses 10 through 13. Now, and she, this is the queen of Sheba, gave the king 120 talents of gold. That's about $250 million more worth of gold. And of spices, very great store, and precious stones, there came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. In other words, nobody had more than she did. And nobody gave away more than she did. She gave them to Solomon. And the navy also of Hiram that brought gold from Ophir, brought in from Ophir great plenty of almug trees and precious stones. And the king made of the almug trees pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house harps also and psalteries for singing, singers. There came no such almug trees, nor were seen unto this day. And King Solomon gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. So she returned home. Now, think about the queen of Sheba for a moment. And we're going to think back to, or think ahead to Matthew chapter 12. And her name is going to come up again. In this particular scene, we find that the Pharisees and the scribes, they were demanding a sign from Jesus. And here's what he said in chapter 12, verses 39 through 41. He said, But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And then Jesus continued in the next verse, verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. This is Jesus speaking. He said, The queen of the south, of Sheba, will rise up in judgment against them for not believing in Christ. She came from a far country. As we just read in 1 Kings 9, she came from a far country to hear of the wisdom of Solomon. Yet, many people will not come to hear the wisdom of Christ, who is in every way, and Jesus said it here, a greater than Solomon is here. You see, the Pharisees, the religious elite, were very impressed with power. They were all about grabbing power. And they became very jealous of Jesus. So we know because he was beginning to take away some of their power through his teachings. People were following him rather than the Pharisees. So they loved power. They loved riches. They loved accolades. And they certainly knew of Solomon. They knew of Solomon's glory. And when they looked at Solomon, they looked at the riches, they looked at the wealth, they looked at everything that he had. Do you think they were impressed with Solomon? Oh, I think they were very impressed with Solomon. And Jesus said... There is one greater than Solomon standing right here in front of you. The queen of Sheba came all the way, 2,000 miles, 
to see Solomon, to hear of his wisdom, and to prove the reports in which she heard. And when we looked at verse 9, we see that the queen of Sheba believed. She's saying it's all, everything, it's all to the glory of God, it's all his work. And she said to Solomon, he's the one that sets you on the throne. And here in Matthew, Jesus, he points back to the queen of Sheba. He points back to Solomon and he said to the Pharisees, Behold, a greater than Solomon is right here standing in front of you. Now, put yourself in their place. They're hearing this, this man, Jesus, saying, A greater than Solomon. Now, who could be greater than Solomon in their eyes? But Jesus said, A greater than Solomon is standing right here in front of you. I wonder what, what in the world was going through their minds when Jesus said that. And I would expect that you know, their, their brains are going on overload here, run, trying to run comparisons between Jesus and Solomon. Well, Solomon, he's the, the son of a king, King David. They look at Jesus and, well, he's the son of a carpenter. Solomon was born in a palace. Jesus was born in a stable. Solomon is from the royal city, Jerusalem. Well, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He came from Nazareth. What good thing could come out of Nazareth? I'm sure as they're thinking. Solomon had thousands of servants. Jesus he had none. He came to serve. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, think about Solomon's palace. Think about his sleeping quarters. All royal, all gold, the best of fabrics, I'm sure, the, the most comfortable of beds. And Jesus well, he had nowhere to lay his head. Solomon would wear royal robes. Jesus wore peasants' clothing, didn't he? Solomon wore a crown of gold. Jesus wore a crown of thorns. Solomon drank from a golden cup. Well, what did Jesus do? Well, he asked the woman at the well for a drink of water. And she fetched it for him. Solomon had a great army. Jesus had a band of 12. <laughs> it turned out to be a mighty army. <laughs> a mighty army for God. And you're part of that too. Solomon had 1,400 chariots. How did Jesus get around? Walked. He walked. Solomon ate with royalty. We know that Jesus ate with publicans and sinners. How could you possibly say you're greater than Solomon? Well, let's look at some ways that Jesus is greater than Solomon. I know that Solomon was known for wisdom because God says, I'm going to give you wisdom, and he did, but, but wisdom comes from God, and Jesus is greater in wisdom. 
In fact, all of Solomon's wisdom came from Jesus. 1 Kings 4.30, And Solomon's, wis Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. But we know it came from Jesus. The queen of Sheba tried to prove and to test Solomon. We just read that in 1 Kings 10. It's described further in verses 23 and 24. It says, So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom, and all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Which God has put in his heart. And it didn't come from himself. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, doesn't it? Solomon had knowledge, it seems, about everything. He wrote the Proverbs. It speaks of Morality, right? Much of it gives warnings. Solomon knew all about creation. 1 Kings 4.33 says, And he spake of trees from the cedar tree that's in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. He didn't just speak of them. He understood them. But you know what? Jesus created all things that Solomon knew and gave him a mind to know them. A greater than Solomon is here. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him, speaking of Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him, and all things were created for him. In John chapter 1, verse 3, says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Well, certainly Solomon knew of the fish, but Jesus said, Cast your nets on the other side of the boat and fill the nets with those fish. Jesus could move the fish. Solomon had a fleet of ships to sail upon the sea. We just read in verse 26 of chapter 9, and King Solomon made a navy of ships in Essien Gaber, which is beside Eloth on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. Well, Jesus didn't need a ship. Didn't he walk on the water? He walked on the water he created. See, a greater than Solomon is here, he said. And you know, family, think, think about Solomon and all the wisdom that he had. It never satisfied him. All the riches never satisfied him. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 17, he said, I gave my heart to know wisdom. I perceive that this also is a vexation of spirit. What's he saying? He's saying wisdom is not the answer. Not the world's wisdom, for sure. 1 Corinthians 3.19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And you know, you can know the facts and have a head full of knowledge, but you can have an empty heart. And you see, Jesus, he always gives wisdom that satisfies. Jesus gives wisdom that even a child can understand. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, but of him, speaking of God, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. 
he's made wisdom unto us. Ephesians 1.8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in what? In all wisdom. What kind of wisdom does Jesus give us? Well, James talked about that in chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. This is in the ESV. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. It's impartial and it's sincere. Worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. Jesus gives the greatest wisdom. You know, a person can have all the wisdom that the world has to offer and not know Jesus Christ. And it amounts to nothing. It means nothing. Some of the wealthiest people in the world, some of the most intelligent, some of the most influential, the most powerful, all that is great in earthly measure, but it means nothing apart from Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. But not only is Jesus greater than Solomon in wisdom, Jesus is also greater than Solomon in work. You know, looking back, and, and we can see the construction of this temple, how majestic it was, all the riches, the timbers, everything about it was the best of the best of the best. But and nothing else on earth could compare. And in chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, I want to read these verses again. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit or breath in her. It just took her breath away. It was so magnificent. Not only the things she saw, the people she saw, but even the entrance into the temple, it's like she gasped, had nothing left. She was so taken with the temple, the food, the feast, she could barely breathe. She saw the table that Solomon had prepared, and she gasped. But you know what? Even after eating and drinking all this wonderful food and drink, all that would partake, all that sat at that table, you know what? Come next mealtime, they'd still be hungry, wouldn't they? <laughs> and they'd still be thirsty. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said this in John six thirty five. He said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, a greater than Solomon is here. Solomon provided this incredible feast. But you know what? It could never compare to what Jesus did. The feeding of 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Could Solomon do that? No. The food was multiplied, but it was also prepared. And not only that, this incredible temple beyond earthly comparison is no match 
for the mansion that Jesus has made for you and all that believe. John 14, verse 2, And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. You know, as I think about our our heavenly dwelling place that Jesus has gone to prepare, I, I can't imagine anything that other than that would make Solomon's palace look like a shanty. Nothing compares to the glory of heaven. Well, not only that, Solomon's temple took over seven years to build. Artisans, laborers, all the material, laborers numbering 30,000. 1 Kings 5.13, And the king Solomon raised a levy or labor force out of all Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. And what a temple he built. But, but you know what? Think about this. There's a greater temple, and it's you. It's you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know you not that you are a temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Well, let me ask this question. Where is Solomon's temple? It's gone. It was destroyed in 586 B.C. by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. But the temple that Jesus built, it stands forever. This temple, you and me, born again, temples of the Holy Spirit of God that will live forever. And certainly not talking about our flesh. I'm talking about our soul and our spirit. This temple will live forever. And it's fitted for the, for the heavenlies through the new birth. Praise God. And that's the ultimate work. Getting heaven into man. A greater than Solomon is here. Greater in wisdom, greater in his work, but greater in another way too. A greater than Solomon is here, greater in sacrifice. Second Chronicles seven five. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of twenty and two thousand oxen and a hundred and twenty thousand sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Those are big numbers, tens of thousands. But you see, those sacrifices are all temporary. They had to be repeated. But look at the sacrifice of Jesus. Hebrews 10, verses 8 through 10. He said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law, then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which we will, will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. You see, the sacrifices of Solomon could never, ever match the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take away our sin. What a sacrifice. And he did it by himself, according to his will, for you and for me. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The Queen of Sheba believed with far less evidence that we have. But let's look at the advantages that we have. 
And we have so many. We'll just touch on a few of them. The Queen of Sheba had no invitation to come to Solomon. And she also had no promise that if she came to Solomon, he would even receive her. He had every opportunity as king to say, no, door's closed. No visitors. On the other hand, what do we have? We have a standing invitation to come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me. What an invitation. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And with that invitation, Jesus promises to receive those that come to him. John 6, 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, you try calling the, the U.S. president's office. Do you think you're going to get through? No. I don't think so. I don't think you'll get through the governor's office. No. You probably won't get through the mayor's office. But you know what? You can always come to Jesus. Right. Always. And he never says no. He never says, I'm too busy. You never get a busy signal. You never get a, can you call back later and make an appointment? No. He is there to hear. He is there for me and he's there for you. The Queen of Sheba came from a far country to knock on Solomon's door, so to speak. But for, for us, Jesus is the one doing the knocking on the door of our hearts. He's the one doing the knocking and his word is near to us. Revelation 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. What a great God we serve. The wisdom of Solomon that he could impart to the Queen of Sheba, it was economic, right? It was political, maybe philosophical. I don't really understand it all. But you know what Jesus gives us? He gives us wisdom unto salvation. And that is the wisdom that we need. That's the wisdom that we need to hear. That is the wisdom that the world needs to hear. And if a person isn't willing to hear, there will be a judgment. Jesus said even the former pagans of Nineveh will judge. The queen of Sheba will rise up against this generation for failure to come to Jesus. That's the words of our Savior speaking there. There is a judgment coming. So it doesn't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how much we know. It doesn't matter how much we do because without Jesus Christ, we're just ignorant, poor, and empty. A greater than the temple is here. A greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Solomon is here. And his name is Jesus. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? Yes. I am so thankful for Jesus. He saved my life. And he's gone ahead to prepare a place for me. So the Pharisees didn't understand a greater than Solomon was standing right before them. But we understand all the comparisons that we drew tonight. We can say, yes, that's my Savior. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that the greater than Solomon is here, Emmanuel, God with us. 
And we praise you for desiring to not only meet with us, but to indwell us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the salvation which you've extended to us, the grace that you've reached out and poured into our lives, Lord, the favor that we have, the love, unconditional, unmerited, Lord, you gave it all to us, and you gave it all for us. In, in the name of your Son, Jesus, Amen. we thank you for mercy. We thank you, Father, for the continual outpouring of your love into us, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us and teaches us and just he, he's our helper, he's our comforter, and we so need that. And I pray that we would be empowered by the one that is the greater than Solomon, who is here, the God that's with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.